0: Welcome to the NHC GOP podcast, I'm Rule Sample, happy to be joined by John Lennon, one of three conservative Republicans running for city council in this year's municipal elections. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rule. I'm happy to be here, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, It's great to have you. I know that you're busy and I appreciate that you are taking time out, not just from the campaign, but you also have a business to run, and so thank you for being here. John, you're new to uh, politics. This is the first time you're running for office, but that is not the first time of you being involved with government. So tell us about that. Why are you getting involved at this level right now?
1: Yeah, happy to. So um, that's correct. This is the first uh, office that I've run for um, in in government. Uh, But prior to that, I've, I've lived in Wilmington for 25 years. My wife was born and raised here. And um we met uh, at nc state in the uh, mid 80s and moved here for good in 98 and mm-hmm. quickly decided that i really um I, I had known while we were dating that we'd end up here and i knew this was a community that i wanted to embrace and and help improve and so early on got involved in um the uh, task force for the convention center that is now downtown um and then in 2005, I was appointed to the airport authority by the county commissioners and uh, loved, it, loved that post. Was uh, on the airport authority for eight years, two as chairman. And it's amazing. People don't realize how long it takes to get anything done. Uh, in the <laughs> airport. But, but it's really it was a great learning experience also because it's a, uh, an airport is really nothing more than a landlord. Um, you know, there's a neat component of the fact that airplanes take off and land there, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's an economic driver for the region and it it relies on, uh, user fees, uh, and state funds, local funds and federal funds. And so balancing all of that was, was a a great experience for me. Um, in 13, I was appointed to the state board of transportation and served, uh, for just almost four years, um, I was the member of the board of transportation uh, that dealt with the ports and aviation. Okay. So obviously uh, our port here in Wilmington uh, and the other one in Moorhead. Um, And then there are 72 airports throughout North Carolina. Um, My claim to fame is that I've been to 52 of them, uh, (laughs) but, but again, much, much like um, uh, it is in our area, you know, people don't think about it, but the airport in Elkin, North Carolina, has as much economic impact uh, pro rata for that county as, as our airport here does. Hmm. Um, so I, I worked um, uh, diligently on that and then also was appointed by the governor to head up a aviation development task force. And that was really uh, – we were charged with the idea that um, growth in our small general aviation airports – would really be an inexpensive way for the state to promote economic development throughout North Carolina and learn very quickly that, um, the legislature is where the money is. And so I spent a lot of, I would, I would literally check into a meeting at the board of transportation and be counted as present present and then sneak out and run across the street and meet with the legislators to, uh, impress upon them the importance of, of, the aviation system in the state, and thankfully we were able to pretty much double the budget. Um, wow. there was an There was an example of every dollar that is invested um, provides a return of uh, about nineteen dollars. And keep in mind that's that number is almost ten years old now. So it's um, I'm sure it's improved,
0: but because airports uh, they're they're not they're not just about passengers. They're about freight. They're about as you said, landlord development, uh, economic development. It's 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 really a financial generator. No
1: question. I mean, one of the best examples I could give you is uh, there's a small airport airport, uh, in Burlington, North Carolina, outside Greensboro. And uh, LabCorp, which is a testing company, Mm -hmm. has uh, pretty much their own FedEx fleet. Um, They will fly samples not only around North Carolina, but everywhere. And they all go there to that uh, airport in Burlington. So, you know, you go in the daytime and you'll see your normal business traveler and and general aviation folks. Uh, But at nighttime, you'll see a lot of air traffic um, taking samples back and forth. And you never would would think about that unless you go out and and see it and all the jobs that that provides and the opportunities that it provides.
0: So it's a big jump, though, from or maybe it's not from going to developing these economic generators like airports Mm -hmm. and other port authorities to being in city council in probably one of the fastest growing cities in North Carolina.
1: It it, it is, but you know, ultimately the fundamentals are the same. Um, I I have been on the city planning commission here in Wilmington for the last three years. And so um, not only, you know, experiencing the growth from, uh, I I first started coming here in the the mid 80s, um, not only seeing the growth that's occurred But then understanding um, that how to harness that growth and to make sure that it benefits uh, all of our citizens and provides opportunities for all of our citizens. And so uh, that's why I say the fundamentals of of that are really not that different. It takes collaboration. It takes listening. um, It takes tenacity and uh, and sometimes it takes a lot of patience.
0: <laughs> when you're dealing with government is always, always a lesson in patience. Always. Oh, now as we grow, one of the big questions always comes down to public safety, whether it's police department, fire department, uh, whether, whether the statistics show it or not, you and I talked about this earlier, is that if you don't feel safe, then then that perception becomes reality, and public safety is one of the big things of your platform as you run for city council. Tell us about that. What what, what is your focus here?
1: Absolutely, I think that the um, you know crime is something that can all of the things that politicians and government employees talk about, you know, the economic drivers and the new projects and all that that can all be wiped away with a perception of the general public, not feeling safe. Um, and so I think that the, the number one thing is to make sure that our police department has the resources that it needs. And, and, and you hear a lot about this, about, you know, why are they not doing this? Why are they not doing that? Let's keep in mind that it's only recently that city council increased the starting pay for a Wilmington police officer to
0: $46,000 a year. Um, Think about that what, were, what were they doing? What were they making before then? 38. So you had police officers going out, putting their lives on the line mm-hmm. for less than actually what I was making as managing a restaurant back in my twenties. So Correct. that's a lot. Correct. And so,
1: and then we wonder why there are vacant positions yes. within the department. Um, And I think, and I think a big part of that also is retention. You know, we focus on filling spots, but I think retention is a huge part um, in making sure that the officers, um, you know, police officers and firefighters have to see a lot of things that you and I don't even think about on a daily basis. And so we need to make sure that they're getting the best uh, resources that they can. That's, that's step number one, because without, without those bodies in, in positions, Um, it's impossible to provide the level of services that we all need. Their calls for service are tremendous. And I think that um, that's going to continue as the city grows. So we need to make sure that the police department and the fire department grow accordingly with that. Um, The other thing is, I think, is getting, you know, one of the things that doing that provides is an opportunity for police to actually get out in the community. So instead of being reactive, they have the ability to be proactive you, know, you hear a lot of people. Well, why don't they come and participate in the neighbor? Well, because they're running 25 calls, you know, over the last two hours, um, and they literally don't have time to do that. And so we've we've got to we've got to do that. We've got to go back to the day where, you know, I grew up in Washington D.C. and officer friendly was a real thing. I mean, <laughs> officer friendly came to your school and you saw officer friendly on the corner, and and you revered them, frankly. Um, because they, you know, a, they were a public servant and B, they were there to protect you. So I think we need to work to get back to that point. It also means though, that we have to have a zero tolerance policy. Um, I think, you know, the fact that it's unfortunate that we've got a generation that more and more is, are resolving their issues with a gun Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and we need to have a zero tolerance policy. And we need not wait for things to shake up in our backyard. You know, one of the things that um, really got to me was uh, my daughter was right around the corner um, with a shooting at New Hanover high school mm. catwalk. Um, and so I did what every dad's not supposed to do. I jumped in my car and drove down to the high school. Cause um, it's your daughter. She was, yes, exactly, exactly. And, and But, you know, and I'll never forget walking out onto Market Street and looking. It it was like an armed encampment with the number of law Mm -hmm. enforcement and public safety people that were there. And I remember one of our politicians made a comment that said, we were really lucky today. I said, no, that's not really what we want to say. We weren't lucky. You know, this this problem has been brewing for a long time. So um, we can't allow violent elements to they can't be active members of society. We've, we've, that, 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 we have to have that zero tolerance. By the same token, though, I think we have to understand, and, and I'm going full circle here, that handcuffs aren't always the answer um, to, to preventing crime. And so a great example to segue into, you know, people who've listened to me speak before have heard me complain about the 2014 trans- parks and transportation bond, which is not finished yet, almost 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the, one of the elements, um, there, there, there are multiple park improvements, uh, trail improvements. The MLK center was, uh, a project that to be expanded upon and improved upon and it's not done. And, and so if we're not providing other outlets for our kids, then what do we expect is going to happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to the, there's there's patience with government, and then there's exasperation with government. And it Absolutely. sounds like you're you're. you're uh, and I like what you're saying about handcuffs. Don't always sound uh, solve crime. Is that mm-hmm. you know officer friendly was also walking the beat and getting to know people, and and in the process creating those relationships that stop crime. Right. And 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 that's we've missed that we've gotten away from that. Because our police are responding, reacting, they can't be proacting. And I I like that focus that you've got. The other thing that we talk about, which kind of leads into this, is the affordable housing issue, is that... <clears throat> Wilmington has been discovered. There's no doubt about that. You used to have to want to come to Wilmington because nothing passes through here. Is that is that you've got to get off and then come in, but people are moving to Wilmington. And so we've got we've got a housing issue. Uh and we're not talking we're not talking low income. We're talking housing issue across the spectrum.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. So I'm in the real estate world. Um, I have been since I I moved here and, you know, on any, uh, I think uh, the last time I looked was uh, Friday in our multiple listing service for new, for new Hanover County, just in New Hanover County, not including the beaches, there are less than 500 homes for sale. Wow. Um, And so that number, that number has been as low as 300. Um, a normal market, if there is such a thing, um, is nor- normally about 2,500 properties available wow. for sale. So it gives you an idea anecdotally that there there is a huge shortage of housing um, for not only the folks who are coming, but the folks who are here right now, currently. So the folks whose family size has increased and they need to move into a larger home. Um, the folks whose family size has decreased and they're, they're ready to downsize. Um, the folks like uh, m- my two adult children who have graduated from college, uh, I still have another one in college that, you know, would love to be able to go out and get their own place um, and not have to pay fifteen to $1,800 for, for an apartment. Wow. So um, <clears throat> I think that, I think that that is something that um, we need to look at it that, you know, the city's new land development code is a great first step in uh, doing everything from looking at height, looking at uh, density, looking at the inclusion of workforce housing components in, in mm-hmm. housing projects, um, something as simple as the, the inclusion of accessory dwelling units or ADUs you might hear them referred to, which if you have a single family home uh, you can, and you have a garage out back, you can build an apartment over that to rent out um, without, obviously you have to get permits, but without really yes. asking for, for zoning permission. Um, you know, something as little as that provides not only an additional housing opportunity, but it also provides an opportunity for a homeowner to maximize their their property.
0: What you're talking about is is really a, a Republican idea of not government solving it, but government clearing the way so that businesses, real estate companies, even families can solve the issues on their own.
1: There's no doubt the the market, the market is going to take care of, of the problem, but we have to let that happen. And so one of the things that is really unsettling to me is I've talked to people in the campaign and, and people that I've known in the 25 years I've been here, obviously a lot of them are in the real estate and development community. And I, have had more than one developer tell me that they've developed their last project in the city of Wilmington because it's interesting. Yeah. Because it's so hard. So we shouldn't be, there need to be regulations. There need to be, um, uh, you know, four walls, um, (laughs) boundaries, (laughs) meaning for it's, it shouldn't be a free for all, but it also should also be a situation where we are encouraging, um, you know, innovative development that addresses a serious need.
0: You're also up against some regulations from the federal level. You're also up against int- uh, rising interest rates that are just killing people who want to who want to buy mm-hmm. a new house. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough go.
1: It it is because one of the one of the things that people don't think about a lot is that there's also a sector of our growth that are primarily either retirees or close to retirement. And, and, and that's part of my, my day job, so to speak. Uh, I, I deal with a lot of those folks. And one of the things in talking to, you know, a thousand people from out of the market that you learned very quickly um, here recently is they have two things in common. Uh, and one is they uh, don't care about interest rates. Um, and the other is they're leaving where they are. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so the reason them, them not caring about interest rates is relevant is because let's let's pick on Washington, D.C. They, um, you know, a couple work for the federal government for 20 plus years. They bought a house for forty thousand dollars 30 years ago. They just sold it for nine hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. They have six figure pension uh, between the two of them. Wilmington's looking pretty good.
0: They're going to pay cash for a house here. Sure.
1: Sure. And so what does that do when you have a short market supply? (laughs) What does that do to the price? Drives it up. So that's one of the interesting things that a lot of people have not really talked about is that our prices here locally have really not dropped. Um, Hmm. You know, now you, some of the larger builders, the national builders that put up 30 and 40 and 50 speculative homes at a time. Um, sure. They've had to adjust their pricing, but in our median priced, um, homes, the, the price has not gone down. Inventory has gone down for sure. Okay.
0: It's, it, 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 it's really great having a real estate professional going on the city council at this time where we're facing things like infrastructure, housing, uh, public safety, because you are looking at it, not just from the government side when you get on that city council, but you're bringing this wealth of information from various parts of the country, including time here in Wilmington, to give good conservative Republican answers to these issues. And that's refreshing. Well,
1: I, no, and I appreciate that. And I think it's, um, it's, it's ironic because one of the things that, that I'm hearing more of is uh, you know, another real estate person on city council. And, and the question comes up in public a lot as to why are so many real estate people involved in politics to which I sort of tongue in cheek say, I don't know, why aren't you involved in politics? <laughs> um, and, and, but I, in all seriousness, I think it's, it's because, because I care and mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm not going to apologize. My, my wife is also in, in, in residential real estate and we've raised our kids, sent them to college and, you know made a life for ourselves here because of that. So um, but what it has done to your point is given me a, a, some inside baseball, so to speak, on how the mm-hmm. process works, where are the stumbling blocks in the process and what are things that we can do from a government perspective to, you know, address a need, but also make sure that the citizens of Wilmington um, who are here continue to receive services uh, and a quality of life like no other.
0: I'm, I'm going to throw you a curveball because we usually talk about things before we go on the podcast. But one of the things that's on your website, uh, that's electjohnlennon.com, we'll talk more about that, is growing city a growing city requires leaders committed to fiscal responsibility. What is fiscal responsibility at the Wilmington level?
1: <laughs> um, I think uh, that's a broad question, but I think fiscal responsibility is... Um, when you pass a bond project and you tell the public that you're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to make their quality of life better, then you better do it. Hmm. Uh, you better, you better not wait nine or 10 years to do it. Um, that's not fiscally responsible. If you did that in your business, if I did that in my business, we would be out of business. Um, fiscal responsibility is making sure that instead of, You know, one of the examples I use instead of a department of 10 planning professionals all making, I'm making these numbers up, making $60,000 a year. Why don't we have five making over $100,000 a year? Why don't we have the the, the best that can be held to a level of accountability that um, we know we've got the best and the brightest there? To me, that's fiscally responsible instead of having multiple bodies um, who are taking this job. Uh, because the private jobs are all filled up. That that doesn't compute. Um, everybody's favorite, the PPD building, is a great example of fiscal hmm. responsibility. Um, I would challenge anybody listening to this to tell me how many times they had heard that the city was going to have to spend $94 million to renovate Chestnut Street before this all came up. And yet, it was presented to council, and it was presented to the public as if, well, yes, everyone knows this. The Chestnut Street building, you know, it's outdated; it doesn't work for us. People are split up, and it was—it's going to cost us ninety-four million dollars to renovate it. That was the first time I'd ever heard that number. Interesting. Um, and yet, it was used as an argument to acquire, you know, a sixty-eight million-dollar asset. And, and my position on that building is. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not deflecting at all. I'm being totally honest when I say, I don't know if it was a good idea or not. Hmm. And that is my bigger problem, is that the level of information provided to the public, in my opinion, was woefully inadequate. And the uh, the fact that they're saying that it was done without a property tax increase simply means that that tax increase is deferred. Interesting. And uh, if, if you go back and look, you'll remember... That initially it was sold as a three cent increase. Then it dropped to a one cent increase and suddenly it was a zero. Okay, that's interesting. And then we hear that, well, we need to move into the top floors because we'll save, air quotes, um, you know, millions of dollars upfitting that space to accommodate our offices. No, you won't you're deferring the expense for the build out that you'll have to do for the tenants that you're going to lease the lower floors to. Mm-hmm. So it's either spend now spend later. You know, and why are we moving into a pre-existing built out office space instead of if if we're, if we're going to own the building then then let's do it the way it needs to be done and let's provide the space that we need to have. So that's very frustrating um and just the, the I watched a presentation the other night on the the soccer fields on 421 and the inability to get that project done and get it done um, it, within budget. It's just hmm. inexplicable to me.
0: I've said before on this podcast and other places is that I want I want our elected leaders to govern. And sometimes they've got to make tough to short uh, tough choices. But I also want them to be transparent on how they came to those decisions and how Mm they made those choices. And what you're saying is, is that it hasn't really been quite clear on how we've arrived at a lot of our decisions here in, in the city of Wilmington.
1: I I would agree with that hundred percent. Um, and I think the, it was curious to me because I I don't want to misspeak, but my recollection is I'm pretty sure every vote in regards to this building was seven to zip. Hmm. Um, Which leads me to believe that there was a whole lot of conversation offline prior to this. And sure, the right things were said publicly to, you know, let let people know they've been thought about. But um, this was too, in my opinion, this was too big of an investment. It was too big of a deal. It was too big of a course of direction for the city to not involve the
0: public more so. Okay. John John Lennon is one of three conservative candidates running... For the city council. Technically, it is a nonpartisan race, but let's be very clear is that you have three very good Republicans up against three Democrats. We have a chance to make a big change here in Wilmington. Uh, John Lennon uh, uh, is running for office along with two others of um, voting starts 10 19, October 19th. That's not that far away, John. Not that far away. And you are probably out door knocking. You're probably out talking to people. You're going to events after events after events and getting getting out there. Doing it, doing
1: it all for sure. I am uh, uh, had a neighborhood uh, meet and greet this morning before coming on with you and got a full day. Uh,
0: Neil Anderson, John Lennon, Catherine Bruner. Running for city council. The website is electjohnlennon.com. How else can they get in touch with you, John?
1: I'll give them my cell phone number, uh, 910 512 5895.
0: You're a brave man. That's a (laughs) let's start blowing up that cell phone. Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, one of the things is that we want people to call and ask whether you're Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated. I am convinced that once you get to know Republicans and the agenda that we want to do is that most people will find that we fall in line with them and, and, and we, we uphold the majority of people's opinions and their values. So John, I'll give you the last word. I just, uh, am grateful for the opportunity to come on
1: and, um, I'm grateful to, um, the support of everyone that's helped with this campaign. Uh, I really, I love this city. This is going to be my home forever. And uh, my children have grown up with uh, opportunities because of the the growth that this city has experienced, and I want to make sure that that growth continues in a way to provide opportunities for all the citizens of Wilmington today and tomorrow.
0: John Madden, for appreciate your vote. John Madden for City Council. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Royal.